This presentation is delivered by the Stanford Center for Professional Development. Right, uh, hey everyone, uh, Jerry is out of town today, so I'll be giving the lecture. And uh, we have two handouts today, uh, two very small handouts actually, the section handout and its solution for tomorrow. Uh, so I believe uh, last Friday, uh, Jerry started the ice cream uh, store simulation uh, problem. This is a really huge problem. It's probably bigger than any single synchronization or threading problem that you saw so far in the lectures. And it's the merge of two or three final exam problems. So it's pretty involved. Uh, so we'll try to go through it. I'll try to make it as clear as possible. Uh, but feel free to ask me any questions if you want. All right, so uh, let me just uh, start from where we left off last week. Uh, so we were talking about the ice cream uh, store. And we have four players, basically, in the ice cream store. We have the. Um, cashier, which is uh, there basically to handle the, bill the billing uh, issues. And we have the customers. We basically have 10 customers. And each customer, of the, each customer is uh, going to ask for uh, a random number of cones, of ice cream cones, from 1 to 4. So uh, the least we could have is 10 cones, and the maximum is 40 cones. And every single customer, because he doesn't want to wait for every single cone to be done sequentially, then he's going to fire off a clerk or dispatch a clerk for every single ice cream cone that he wants. And so we will have clerks that are making the ice cream cones. We have 10 to 40 of those. But the thing is, every single clerk, before really giving the ice cream to the uh, customer, it has to ask for the manager's inspection to get an approval for the cone that he made. So the clerks have to get the manager's approval. And the manager, there is only a single manager, only a single cashier. And if the manager uh, uh, disapproves of the cone, then the clerk basically has to redo the cone and ask again for the, for the manager inspection. Um, the manager, he doesn't like to have two clerks in his office at one time. So uh, basically, we can't have more than one clerk contacting the manager at some point. At the same time, so this actually starts, you, you can start to see the communication that is going between those guys. We definitely can see that we have clerk threads, right? Because every customer, every single customer would potentially ask for one, two, or three, four clerks. At the same time, we have 10 customers that are running in parallel. It's not only a single customer at a time. So we have threads here, we have threads here, we have a thread for the cashier, a thread for the manager, a total of probably 52 possible threads, okay? You can see the communication going between the cashier and the customer. You don't expect any communication between the cashier and the clerks or the manager, right? You can, sh you can see communication between the customers and the clerks, depending on how many clerks he, fi he fires off. And you can see definitely a communication between the clerk and the manager, right? So you want to start thinking about what are the constructs that you will need in order to maintain synchronization issues between all of those players in the game, OK? So uh, let's start thinking. Uh, I'll just try to brainstorm about it, and then we can uh, look at the code. The thing is, the customer comes in, and he wants one to four ice cream cones, and he will fire clerks. After he gets all his cones, he will go to the cashier, right? But he cannot go to the cashier until all the clerks give him back his ice cream cones. So now you can start to see like this kind of one-to-end communication that we talked about, right? You can see that this guy is going to request n clerks, and he has to wait for the n clerks to get the job done before he can go to the cashier. right? You can also see the communication between the clerk and the manager. So no two clerks can go to the manager at a time, which means that there should be this kind of lock around the manager's office. right? And so only one clerk can access the manager's office. At the same time, the manager will be waiting all the time because he has to wait for all the ice cream cones to be done for all the customers before he can go home. So the manager will be in kind of a loop, just waiting to be requested for an inspection. And once he finishes the inspections, he gets back the result to the clerk. And he keeps waiting again until all the potentially 40 cones are, are done and inspected. Make sense? So the clerk will basically have to request from the manager who's waiting. So there's the manager waiting for the clerk to request. There is also the clerk waiting for the manager to finish his inspection, right? 
So we have this kind of binary rendezvous again thing going on in here. Do you see that? Now there is another constraint on the customers going to the cashier at the end. So the customers are waiting for their cones and after they get their cones, they just go to the cashier in a line. And this line has to be maintained in a FIFO order. So first in, first out. All right? And we have to also think about that. Um, how are we going to ensure that the customer that arrives first at the cashier gets 3D served first and leaves first? All right? You will see, again, the kind of binary rendezvous thing between the customer, each customer and the cashier. Because the cashier has to be waiting all the time for a customer to request a service or basically a customer to show up in line. And after the customer shows up in line, he will be waiting for the cashier to finish handling his bill and, give, and let him go, basically. All right? So any question on how the setup is for the problem? All right, so let, let's start by the main function. Let's see what happens in the main. OK, let me write them in here. Um, let's have it here. All right, so we have the main function. I'm not going to write this arguments. But it, uh, it basically has to maintain it, the total number of cones, right? The main function is basically responsible for spawning all the threads that we need. We'll see that the, 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 uh, the customers are responsible for spawning the clerk's uh, threads. But other than that, everything gets spawned in the, in the main function. So the main function is going to basically get the total number of cones, which is required to spawn the manager, because the manager needs to know how many cones there is, because he can't leave until he's done with all the cones. Right? So um, we do the normal stuff. We init the threat package. And we uh, set up some semaphores that I would introduce right away. But just bear with me until I get to this point. And then uh, we basically spawned all the customers. So for int i is equal to 0, i is less than 10, i plus plus. What we want to do is we want to get a random number of cones for every single customer. And then spawn the customer and add this number of cones to the total cones that are in here. So I need to uh, initialize this to zero. So we have an int num cones is equal to uh, a function random integer that gives me back a number of cones between one and four. This function is in the uh, more concurrency handout, so I don't, I'm not going to repeat it. Um, now, once we have the number of cones for a customer, then we can just start spawning the customer. Because the, all the customer needs to know is how many cones he's going to order, right? Make sense? So we're going to thread new. Debug name. The customer function. And this customer is going to take one argument which is the number of cones. All right. After doing that, we have to add this number of cones to the total cones because we will need to pass this total number to the manager eventually. All right. So total cones plus equal num cone. Now, this is going to be done for all 10 customers. And this way, we spawn all the 10 customers that we have in our simulation. Now, we need to model the cashier. So we have a thread new. The cashier. And we don't give him any parameters. And uh, we also spawn the uh, manager. So we thread new. the manager, and we pass to the manager the total number of coins, which is a single parameter. All right. Um, now we're done with that. We just run all the threads.
after we run all the, thread, the threads, since we did set up the semaphores in here, and semaphores, again, remember that this is a construct that is a pointer to something that is allocated in the heap. So you have to always remember to free your semaphores. Okay, so you go and free, let's call it a function free semaphores, and then you go and, and handle all of the semaphores that we're going to introduce. Okay, and then you return zero. So this is basically your main function, and I don't think, like in here we're just spawning threads. You don't see any kind of communication going on. We didn't do anything yet, right? We're just starting. So um, I was kind of thinking about where to start. Typically the sequence, the logical sequence is with the customer, because that's the customer that goes to the store basically to buy ice cream. But I think it might be really uh, confusing to start with the customer. So I will go with the manager, because it's the easier one. And then maybe we see the communication between the manager and the clerk, all right? And then we try to link it to the customer and the cashier, because the customer will also have to interact with the clerk. So uh, let's go with the manager. The manager and the clerk. Uh, I just described a lot of things going on, right? A lot of, uh, a lot of basic synchronization things that we have to take care of. We need some of fours in here, right? There is like a binary rendezvous that I just explained. Uh, we need to uh, know after the manager inspects uh, Cohen, whether it succeeded or not, right? So there should be something communicated. There is some sort of communication. So because there is a lot of variables, there are so many variables and there are many threads that are accessing all of them, we again do, we ex access them globally. So we'll have a glo global variables, global semaphores. There'll be a lot of them. So in order to make it understandable, we're just going to group them in structures. So uh, we'll group all the variables that have to do something with the manager and the clerk in one structure. We'll call it inspection. And we later on do the same thing for the customers and the cashier. We have another structure with all the uh, variables for the synchronization. And we'll call it the line. All right? So let's have our first glo global. So we have a struct inspection. And uh, let's see. The manager is going to inspect everything that the clerk shows to him, right? So we have to, we need basically a Boolean to show us whether the cone passed or not, right? And I'm going to be very informal in here. I'm going to give you the initializations, but all the initializations are basically done in setup semaphores, okay? So we're not going to go through this function, but this pass is going to be false. Now, what else do we need? The manager has to keep waiting until it's requested, right, for inspection. And also the clerk has to wait until it, it knows that the manager finished its inspection, right? So we need some kind of semaphore. For rendezvous, this semaphore is going to be, let's call it requested. And so this is going to be signaled by the clerk to the manager that it requests an inspection, right? Make sense? All right, so this semaphore is going to be initialized to zero. Okay, so basically the manager, what it's going to do is basically going to wait on the semaphore, which means it's going to block, okay, until a clerk comes and signals the semaphore, so it basically wakes up the manager. Make sense? All right, so we have the semaphore requested, we have the semaphore finished. And we also understand that once the manager, once the, uh, the clerk requests inspection, it will wait on this finished semaphore, which means it's going to block until the manager finishes the inspection and then signal the semaphore and then it wakes up. Okay? So what else do we need in here? What else do you think we're missing? Okay, let's, just, let's start working and see what we miss, okay? Let's start working on the function and see what we need. So we'll have the function uh, manager. So that's void manager. The manager takes an int, which is the total number of cones. So let's call it total, um, call it total cones needed.
And here is what the manager does. I'll, I'll have two, uh, two variables. One of them is required, the other one is not. The first one is uh, total, let's call it num approved. So this is num approved, which is initialized to 0. And another one, which is num inspected, also initialized to 0. So what we need to do is the following. While the number inspect, uh, the number approved is less than the total number needed, then you basically can't go home. You have to keep waiting and keep inspecting, right? So while this is the case, you want, what you want to do is the following. You want to wait until a clerk requests your service, right? OK, so you want to wait on inspection. Let me finish this here, call it inspection. So you want to wait on inspection dot requested, right? Once you get a request, yes, go ahead. I can't hear you. Total non needed. So did you see here where we did spawn the manager thread? We passed the total cones. And the total cones were the total number that the customers wanted. So that's the total number that the, basically the manager needs to inspect. So that's total number of cones. That's total number of cones, yeah. The total number that all the customers will buy, basically. Oh, OK. So that's total number of cones. Total cones. Yeah, I'm just calling needed. I mean, I'm just changing the name of the parameter. But that's fine. OK? Any other questions? All right. So, um, so we want to basically wait on the request for the inspection, okay? And then once you get a request for the inspection, you basically want to inspect the cone, right? Okay. So what you do is you have your once this is done, you basically are inspecting a cone. So num inspected will go up. And you have to check if you're going to approve this cone or not. So we simulate. This is modeling, right? So we have a random function that says sometimes, yeah, we do approve, sometimes not. Okay. So we will say inspection dot passed, which is the Boolean in here, is equal to some random chance that returns one of the two things, 0 or 1. And again, I'm not writing this function, but you understand what it's doing. OK? So again, remember, I'm assigning this to dot passed because this is the Boolean that I'm using to communicate between the manager and the clerk. OK? Now, if you really passed, if inspection dot passed then what you want to do is basically increase the number of approved. Make sense? So num approved plus plus. Now we finished your inspection, okay? There's nothing else to do, but what you want to do, you, you, what you know is that the the uh, clerk is potentially waiting on your finished. So you want a signal finished? Any questions? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, we are. Okay. So this touch is basically a global, okay? And everything inside is basically initialized in this function called setup semaphore, okay? And I'm giving you the initialization. So all these are going to be semaphore new, okay? All right, so uh, after we do that, what's left off is just to signal the inspection dot finished. Because you know that the clerk is going to be waiting on this semaphore. OK? 
And that's your manager. And that's the easiest function of all. Now let's go to the clerk. Now, any question on that before I move on? All right, so the clerk. The clerk will take some parameter. I'll worry about it later. Because this parameter is going to be related to the customer. And I didn't write the customer function yet. So uh, let's see. What the clerk needs to do, it needs to make one cone and have the manager inspect it. right? It needs to repeat this cone until it passes. okay? And once it passes, it just hands the cone to the, to the customer. All right? So let's see. The clerk basically starts with a cone that doesn't pass. So boolean passed is equal to false. And while you didn't pass, you basically need to make a cone, right? And then request the manager to inspect it, OK? So let's see. We can potentially have up to 40 clerks requesting the manager to inspect their cones, right? OK? Does this give you any hint about what we're missing here? Exactly. So we need a binary lock. We, we basically need to lock the manager's office, right? So that we can ensure that at any point in time, only one clerk can get in this office. OK? So we, here we need another semaphore, which I will call lock. And this semaphore is going to be initialized to 1, right? Why is it initialized to 1? Why not 0? Exactly. So that at least one clerk can get in. If you, if you initialize it to 0, then nobody's going to ever get in the office, right? So you want one clerk at least to get in. And you, you want only one clerk to get in. You cannot have it 0. 0 is a deadlock, right? Because nobody's going to ever be able to get in. You cannot have it 2. Because two means two clerks can potentially be in at the same time. OK? All right, so the first thing that you want to do, basically, is to acquire this lock, right? So you want to sum up for weight on inspection dot lock. And again, there are two scenarios. First of all is that lock is still 1, because nobody did the weight before, in which case you'll be able to proceed. The other scenario is that this is 0. In which case, you just block on it and wait until it is signaled. OK? All right, so you wait on this lock. After you wait on this lock, you basically need to request the service of your manager, right? OK? So what you want to do is sum of four signal inspection requested. Am I going too fast? Is it clear? OK. So we signal the request, and after we, yeah. Excuse me? Would it say requested to 1? It would, yeah. So request is originally 0, right? The, the manager, which I just wrote in here, it does wait on requested, which means it blocks. So the way our semaphores in the library that you are provided uh, the sum of four doesn't go to a negative value, okay? So it always maintains a zero or a positive value. So if it's zero and you try to decrement it, it does not allow you and it blocks. So you keep waiting there blocked until somebody makes it positive so you can decrement it to zero, okay? And this is how the blocking works, right? So what happens here is that the manager will be blocked if he starts before the clerk because what will happen is the manager will try to decrement the zero sum of four, but it will block. And then it will wait until some, some clerk comes and does signal the inspection that requested, which will make it positive, so the other one will be able to proceed and decrement it. Do you see how this works? OK? All right, so you did signal the request. Now, after you signal the request, the manager will get the request, right? And will start working on this. What you need to do at this point is wait until he finishes. 
Make sense? So you basically... Like, if you have inspection requests in, if you lock out the manager, why is it requested? That's a good question. Uh, let me finish it and then I answer this question, okay? I'll, I'll just go on because like, I want you to see the whole picture after we finish it. So we will basically wait until the inspection is done. So until inspection is finished. And once inspection is finished, you basically want to know the result of the inspection, right? You want to know if your cone passed or failed. Now, how do you know that? Which field tells you? Inspection.passed, right? Now, you want to read into past whatever the manager passed in inspection.passed, okay? So you want to set passed equals to inspection. dot passed. Now you know that if passed now is true, then you're not going to do this anymore. You're going to move on. Okay? You're done with this point, but remember that you were locking the manager's office, right? You no longer need to lock the manager's office. Make sense? So you want to signal, so you waited on the lock in here, you want to signal it, sum of four signal inspection. dot lock. There is something missing here. I will finish it when we talk about the customer. Now back to your question. So the question is the following. Why do we need to have lock and requested? Why do we need those two? If lock already grants us access to the manager, right? <clears throat> so think about what would happen if you don't have them, OK? So let's say you don't have the lock. It's obvious that you need it, right? Because you will have two clerks go to the manager at the same time. Right? Now, think about if you don't have requested, then what will, will the manager do? Not a lot. Like, basically, the manager will not wait for any inspection, right? It will go on and proceed with past, give it a random value, and go on and keep going in the loop, right? Now, which clerk will be checking its own inspection dot pass, you don't know, right? This lock is crucial. And it's crucial that you maintain this. This is maintaining this kind of critical section in here, right? This lock is extremely crucial because basically, you don't want to release this lock until you read the value of inspection dot pass. Note that this value is shared among all the clerks and the, and the manager, right? It's a single value. And because we allow only a single clerk to be with the manager at a time, then we can safely assume that the value in here will be read by this clerk that is with the manager. But you have to ensure that no one else can be in that portion. Okay? You have to ensure. So this lock ensures basically that you have this critical section in here. It ensures that you can read this past before you release the lock and before any other clerk can be with the manager. Because potentially, let's, let's think about it differently. What happens if you switch those two lines? What happens if we first signal the lock, basically release the lock, and then check the value of what's in inspection? What's in past, I'm sorry. Potentially. You're not sure. Potentially. What happens is if, if we had those two lines kind of flipped, what would happen is probably you could have the, the inspection.lock signaled, which means that the lock of the office of the manager is no longer locked, and any other clerk could get in. Now, if your thread, which is this clerk thread, gets pulled off the processor at this point, it is very possible that some other clerk could get into the manager's office, show him his cone, get his past value, overwrite the original past value before this guy gets back the processor. Do you understand that? Right? Now, another thing, um, let's see. What would happen if the manager was the one to signal the, inspector, the inspection lock? Like you would say, OK, let's give the control to the manager. The manager has his office lock, and he could just unlock it. What is the problem with, with basically moving this line from here to the manager? 
Do you see any problem with that? It's exactly the same exactly the same thing. It's basically the manager is gonna unlock the inspection lock. So he's gonna unlock his office. And we don't know if this guy actually did execute this line or not. Right? So again, the lock will be open, the door will be open, any other clerk could get in, could override the pass value before this guy gets to read it here. Make sense? Yes. What if uh, so the manager waits? on inspection.requested. What if the manager just waited on the door being unlocked? Because it seems like once you unlock the door, you make a request at the same time. It's like the same thing. So what you want to do is the following. You want to have the, um, the manager waits on the lock. And you also have the, the clerk wait on the lock. Do you see the, the problem with waits, that? The, the clerk waits, waits on unfinished. The clerk doesn't even. What would happen? What would happen is you have a manager waiting on lock. You have two clerks signaling lock and getting in. Do you see the problem? The thing is with binary rendezvous, it's always you need those two things because one is waiting for the other to finish something and the other is waiting also. It's exactly the same uh, idea of the buffer writer and reader which is also generally called the consumer producer problem. So you have some consumer that consumes, uh, some producer that produces something, another consumer that consumes the same thing. Now, this is exactly the buffer reader and writer. And what happens is somebody's waiting for the other to produce and the other is waiting for him to consume. Okay, because there is some shared resource in the middle. So you always need those two things to maintain basically the, the two, uh, I don't know. Do you see the, the two basically synchronization? of the two issues. Whoever is, is, is producing, which for the other to consume and the, the other way around. Make sense? Any other questions? All right, so um, we're basically done with the manager and part of the clerk. Uh, we'll have to revisit the clerk when we talk about the customer. But before we move to the customer, then now we're going to be talking about the relation between those two guys. And we'll also talk about this guy, the relation between those two. Um, let's first start with the easy part. Let's see where, let's put it here. So we have avoid customer. And the customer takes the random number of, co of cones that he needs to order, right? So he takes an int num cones. And let's see what he does. The customer gets in the store, he does browsing. Just, this is just wasting processing time, nothing, right? He's going to spawn n num cones clerks to do every single cone for him, right? So he will, he will basically need to get numcones clerks, like if this is three, three clerks to work on his cones, and wait until they're done, OK? Before he can move on to the cashier. Make sense? So this means that we will need to have some semaphore. And why we need to have it? Because we know that we need to wait for all the clerks, OK? So we need a semaphore. Let's call it clerks done. And this one we initialized to zero again. Okay. And then for int i is equal to zero, i is less than num cones and i plus plus. What you want to do is basically fire each clerk for your cone. So you do a thread new, I write it tn. <clears throat> and then you fire a clerk, that's a debug name. The function is the clerk, right? And now you need to pass to the clerk the semaphore. Because you will wait on the semaphore for all the clerks. And you want the, every clerk, when he finishes the cone, to signal this back to you, which is equivalent to, handing, to giving you basically the cone. Make sense? So you want to thread new a clerk, pass to it one parameter, which is basically the clerk's done semaphore. Now this 
takes us back to here. Okay? So this clerk takes a sum of four. Let's call it sum to signal. And once it's done with the cone, making the cone, inspecting it, approving it, and it's all done, then you basically want to sum of four signal, the sum of two signal. Make sense? Now that's for the clerk. Now we're done with the clerk. This guy just spawned num cones clerks, right? He needs to wait for all of them. So you saw last lecture what we do, how we do that. You just have another for loop for int i is zero, i less than num cones, and i plus plus. You want to sum of four wait on clerks done. Now we know that this guy will never get past this point until all the clerks are done with all his his cones, right? At which, at what point? You just need, you could basically go and free this semaphore because you won't use it anymore. Okay? So you could just go here and, uh, is it free semaphore or semaphore free? I don't remember. Semaphore free? Okay. You can double check that. Semaphore free. Clerk's done. And then you walk to the cashier. Starting of this point, we will see how the synchronization works between the customer and the cashier. And I think this is the most tricky and the hardest part of the whole thing. Yes? That's a very good question. Uh, so the question is the following. Why don't we include the semaphore weight call in the for loop in here? So just have a single for loop that has the basically the thread new and the semaphore weight. Anybody has an idea? <coughs> yeah, uh, go ahead. Because well, uh, the, the clerks will only be spawned one, uh, one set of time. Yeah, any other ideas? Anybody agrees on that? So what happens if you do that is the following. You get a clerk and you wait on done, right? Now, you did, you did actually initialize clerks done to zero. Right? And semaphore new. Once you wait on this, you basically block. Okay? So you will, you will be blocked in this line. You won't be able to go any further in the for loop. You understand what I'm saying? Until this guy who you just spawned does a semaphore signal on done, so you can get to the next one. So basically, you'll, you'll be doing it one by one. Okay? Yes? Right, so the question is the following. Can we make the sum of four and a shared integer variable or a pointer to a variable? And so this takes us back to the problem of test and use. Okay, so the main reason why we're using sum of fours or locks or those basically uh, uh, concurrency con constructs is that we need to ensure atomicity. And by atomicity, we mean that we want to decrement the value or increment it and check its value in one operation or in several operations that are guaranteed to be done atomically. So if you have an integer, the, the thing is you will increment or decrement it and then you will check its value and between the two you could get off the processor. Okay? Yes? Um, how does it know what threads it owns? Like if, say you did a for loop and you went out of bound by one, so you did like num cones plus one, no. like how does it know what threads to wait on? Like, how does it know what threads? Well, like you say semaphore wait, clerk's done. Yes. So you're waiting on like Semaphore, but you, I mean you've, you've created that semaphore four times, right, for the four different threads. For That's correct. You don't, you don't really care to know which thread is gonna is gonna signal it. You don't care to know, or at least in in the in the in the uh, in terms of the function itself, you don't care to know which one is gonna signal you, as long as you know that somebody's gonna signal you. So possibly one of the threads you could be waiting for on semaphore way could be some other customer's thread that was a clerk's done. One of the ones in here. No, note that. I am actually having this as a local semaphore in here. So if any other customer has also another local clerk's done, that's a different issue. It's, it's a different semaphore, basically. 
All right? Any other questions? All right, so you basically walk to cashier, and from that point on, we will be dealing with the cashier and the, and the customers. Now, I was just saying that this is the trickiest part, and this is the trickiest part because of the constraint that we impose, which is to handle all of them in a 5-4 order. Basically, whoever goes in line has to leave first, okay? Uh, now, you have to think about what goes in the second struct. So, again, we're having a struct in here basically because it makes sense that we group all the semaphores that have to deal with the inspection and the clerks and the manager together, right? But there was nothing that would have kind of prevented us from having them all independent, just having global semaphores up there. We're just grouping them just so that it makes sense to you, okay? So let's look at the other struct. So we have another struct. Uh, we call it line. And this struct has all the semaphores that will handle the communication between the customer and the cashier. Now, the customer has to go to the cashier. It has to stand in line, and it has to wait for its turn. So basically, it has to take a number, right? Which is the next place available in the line, okay? So let's have in here something called the number. And this number, this struct again with all the fields that I'm gonna put in here is supposed to be initialized in semaphore and set up semaphores in here, okay, in the very beginning. I just kept it to the end so that it makes sense with what we're talking about. So the number will be initialized in the beginning to zero because this is the first place in the line, right? Nobody's there yet, okay? Now, the, uh, the cashier is gonna be waiting until somebody shows up in line, right? And when somebody shows up in line, this means that the cashier is requested, okay? So we have a semaphore that the cashier is gonna wait on, saying I'm waiting until I'm requested, okay? Until somebody basically shows in line. So we have a semaphore requested, and this is going to be initialized to zero. We also have another semaphore This is a little tricky. Now, each customer with the cashier, they have some kind of synchronization going on, right? Every customer has to go and say, okay, signal me when you are done with my bill. And it has to be me because I am waiting in the queue in this specific position, right? So the, there should be some, it's not really that we are the customers and we are waiting for you cashier to signal somebody of us. It's not really somebody, it's not any one of us, and somebody will leave. We're not caring about all the customers leaving in the end. We are really caring about every single one of them leaving in his turn, right? And this should give you an idea about having this kind of struct that would have a semaphore that is a rendezvous semaphore between every single customer and the cashier, but this semaphore has to be for every single customer because it has to maintain the order of every single customer. Does that make sense? So in here, we will have a semaphore. Let's call it customers. And those are the customers that basically requested the cashier service but are waiting to be serviced, okay? So this is gonna be an array of 10 semaphores, one for every single customer in turn, okay? So you come, you pick a, you pick a number, you know you're number three, then you, you, are gonna, you are gonna wait on the semaphore of three. And the cashier, once he's done, once he gets to your turn, He's gonna signal customer of three so that you it's your turn to leave. Make sense? Why 10 customers? Because we just assume 10 customers. You could you could have assumed any number, yeah. The customer in front of the line makes the request and then the he leaves and then the next person makes the request. So that the, in the line, the clerk only deals with the one, only one customer. This is basically what we're doing. Um, what you're trying to say is how can we, so let me ask you the question, okay? How can you ensure that the customer, the, the first one in the line is the one that came in order? Because basically remember that you are not keeping track of the state. There are customers that finish and they get all their coins and they go to the cashier, right? You don't remember who, who came first? You don't remember the order. You don't remember which one picked the number, right? 
If you say the one in, in, in the beginning of the line, that's what we're doing, basically. We're keeping track of who is at the beginning of the line. We're going to service the one in place number 0 and move on to 1, which is basically the beginning of the line. If you say that they shift, right? But if you don't do that, then you don't know because you have like threads that finished at random times and you have no clue whatsoever which finished first. Make sense? Yes. If you have multiple, uh, if you have multiple semaphore weights and if you do just one signal, will all of them wake up or just one wake up? Are you talking about those arrays that I'm having in here? When you do a wake up, you wake up the specific semaphore. You don't wake up any one of them. And if, if you do a wake-up, what happens typically, th this is an OS issue, but typically what happens is when you have somebody waiting on a semaphore, it's put on a block list, right? And so you have all those uh, threads that will be put on the block list, and it depends on the scheduling issue. So it depends on whether you pick a shortest job first or you pick a priority scheduling, whatever. But whoever gets to be scheduled, once he finds that his semaphore was signaled, then he will be able to proceed, okay? All right, so... Um, now, we have the customers, and we're still missing one thing, which is very similar to the one thing that we missed before. Can anybody see it this time? Having a lock on the cashier. Having a lock on what? On the cashier. Having a lock on the cashier. Why do we need a lock? Because I can only deal with one customer at once. But actually, you can see that the cashier is maintaining this thing, because the cashier is the one that's going to be waiting for a request, and he's going to be spawning, basically, uh, he's going to be signaling one of those. Anybody sees any other problem? Yes. A lock for the number. Exactly. We need a lock for the number. Basically, you can think about this. Two guys go. They check what is the number. The number is zero. The other one also, and they get, and the, the first one get, uh, gets off the processor. The other one gets, the, uh, gets to be scheduled. Checks the number. It's still zero. And they both increment the number. They both get the number one. Right? So this is why, again, we need a lock on this number to make sure that this is the shared resource. This is where we have race conditions. And this is what we want to secure. OK? So let me have a semaphore lock. And uh, to what is, is this semaphore going to be initialized? One, so one person. Yes, it's going to be initialized to one. And uh, I think I will need to write the last few lines very quickly. It's running out of time. All right, so let me write the cashier first, and then we go to this guy. Here's where the cashier is going. It's very easy. This is the cashier. It's not taking anything. And what the cashier is doing is basically, for the number of customers, what he's doing is he's waiting to be requested. Once he's requested, he handles the bill, checks out the customer, and then signals the semaphore. OK? So you have a for loop. Where int i is equal to 0, i less than 10, and i plus plus. What you want to do is sum a full weight on line. So this is line. So you wait on line dot requested. Once you are requested, then you know that you are, check, you are basically servicing the first customer in line. So you check out some function, check out customer i. And then you signal customer i because you know he's the first one in the, in the queue, in the line. So you sum up for signal line dot customers of i. All right, and that's your cashier. Now let's get back to the customer. So you walk to the cashier, OK? What you want to do is you want to signal to the cashier that you request a service and wait for the cashier to handle your bill, right? So you want to semaphore signal line dot requested. And then you want to semaphore wait. Oh, I forgot something very important. I don't know my number, right? I didn't even get a number, OK? So before you request. You want to get a number, but before you get a number, you have to lock, right? Because you don't want anybody else to be getting a number at the same time. So we want to semaphore wait on line.lock. 
you want to uh, get the number, so basically an int, let's call it your place. This is equal to um, line dot, what did I call it, number, plus plus, so that next time is the next, is, is the next place on the line, okay? And then you want to signal definitely this lock because you're done using the number. And after you signal this lock, let me write it here. You want to signal to the uh, cashier that you are requesting his service. So you signal line.requested. And then you want to wait until he handles your bill. So you basically wait on line dot customers of your place. Okay? And this is your customer. I don't think I'm missing anything. Yes. Does it make sense? Are you guys confused? This is hard. This is not an easy, it's not, it's not that it's, it's not as complicated, it's just that it's, it's just a lot of problems going on, a lot of synchronization issues going on. So I would definitely suggest that you guys go and do this again, okay? You have to think about it. You have to think about the interactions between all of the players. You have to think why you need those semaphores and how you're gonna use them. Um, I'm gonna see you again tomorrow in the section. Uh, we're gonna go over another example for the, uh, for uh, threading and it's gonna be related to your uh, uh, assignment, to your uh, project, okay? Okay, have a good day.